Amen. Well, today we continue our Christmas series called A Spirit-Filled Christmas Carol. During this season, we will discover what God, that God wants to lead each of us through a life transformation like our beloved Scrooge. In his preface, I said this last week, let me say it again this week, Dickens wrote that he intended his story to haunt us pleasantly. He did not want his tale to mire us in the guilt and helplessness, but to lift us up in a spirit of justice and joy. The good news is that God, through God and with God, we too can have the opportunity to a transformed life, life like our beloved Scrooge. And then through Christ, we can know how to keep Christmas well all through the year. Last week, we discovered the dangers affiliated with our past as we looked at Scrooge's past and how the Spirit took him through different events in his past. Those negative comments, neglect, abuse, bad choices made either by our choosing or completely out of our control. These things that have happened in our past will mar, warp, even cripple our behavior and our future. But God wants to take us back to those scenes, point out the error, give us the strength to forgive, heal the past wounds, and set us free to live the life that God intended for us. And today we're going to talk and focus on the present. So go ahead and run that video clip. Sword. Indeed, 
Peace on earth. Goodwill toward men. Spirit, conduct me where you will. <laughs> oh. Touch my robe. <laughs> Shadows remain unaltered by the nature. But 
Child, you die. Die? No, Stick. No. What then? If he is to die, he had better do it. And decrease the surplus population. four very important points that were made to Scrooge regarding the need for transformation in his present time. We're going to look at them today. The first one, the Spirit said, come in and know me better, man. The second, Scrooge pointed out that the Spirit carried a scabbard or a sheath, but no sword. The third, the Spirit said, if these shadows remain unaltered by the future. And the fourth thing we'll look at is the description of ignorance and want, which if you know the story, you know it's there, but for time and for other reasons, I did not put it in the video clip, but we'll talk about it more. Turn with me over to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6, starting with verse 1, it says, As God's co-workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. For he says, In the time of my favor, I heard you. And in the day of salvation, I helped you. I tell you the truth. Now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. Verse 3. We put no stumbling block in anyone's path so that our ministry will not be discredited. Rather, as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way, in great endurance, in troubles, hardships, and distresses, in beatings, imprisonments, and riots, in hard work, sleepless nights, and hunger. Kind of sounds like today. But here's how we should be living in these dark times. In verse 6, he goes on, in purity, understanding, patience, kindness, in the Holy Spirit, and in sincere love, in truthful speech, and in the power of God, with weapons of righteousness in the right hand and in the left, through glory and dishonor, bad report and good report, genuine yet regarded as impostors, known yet regarded as unknown, dying and yet we live on, beaten and not killed, sorrowful yet always rejoicing, poor yet making many rich, having nothing and yet possessing everything. How? How can anyone live like this? The Spirit gave us the answer in our first point. The Spirit said to Scrooge, Come in and know me better, man. God is calling us to come in and know him better. We cannot live a God-honoring Christian life in the face of these hard times without knowing him, holding out his love and holding on to his promises able to trust him without making anyone stumble on account of us. A book I'm reading right now called The Revolution for Women makes the point that we are present but not really present today. 
In staying present, you actually receive the best of both worlds. You give yourself permission to enjoy fully the things you have, the person you are, and the life you're currently living, while continuing to harbor the dreams that keep you growing and stretching into the future. It's a balance, a holy equilibrium, a genuine gratitude for what the day brings, all the while maintaining a controlled anticipation for what tomorrow may offer. We need to be here. We need to be in the present, fully here. You can't spend quality time really getting to know someone if your head or your heart is somewhere else. Just having been there or being there is not enough. Have you ever spent time with someone who is constantly on their phone? If you went out to dinner, taking somebody out to dinner, and the whole time they're on their phone? Do you get up from that table or that time in the living room with them and walk away thinking you know them better now? That you've spent quality time with them? You can't. You can't get somebody, you can't get to know somebody if you're not there with them. Attention on them. Anticipating what it is. How can I get to know you better? Asking questions. Really spending time with them. You can't say you're getting to know God better by just coming in on a Sunday and sitting through a service. You can't even tell me you're getting to know God better by doing your daily devotions, reading through your devotions every day. That's not going to get it either. Because most of the time, let's just be honest, that you're doing your devotions, you're thinking about everything you've got to get done for the day. Or if it's at the end of the day, you're thinking about everything you did for the day. Your head's not there. You're not present. You're doing it. You're there. But your head's somewhere else. Your heart's somewhere else. God's calling us to come in and know him better. How are you going to stand in these last days? How are you going to stay strong when all hell is breaking loose on you? You need to come into God's presence and know him better. We are called to live a, our life to the fullest. Jesus died that we could live a full life. If we're not fully here each day, we're, we can't experience a full life. Because we're always thinking about what else I would have a full life if I had what's in this box. Or I would have a full life if what's in that box was such and such. If you're always thinking about what else you want, what else you need, and then I'll be happy, and then I'll be whole. We're called to live life to the fullest, but we can't do that until we come into God's presence. Know him better and live what he's died to give us. The second point, Scrooge pointed out that the spirit carried a sheath, or a scabbard, I think he called it, but no sword. The spirit's reply as he looked intently into this swordless sheath, peace on earth, goodwill towards men. Now, you've probably heard it through the Charlie Brown Christmas story, because every time I read this part of scripture, I hear Linus and his little voice saying this. But let's look at this scripture together. In Luke chapter 2, I'm going to read it to you out of the New King James Version. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, 
and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord, and this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a great multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Peace. God wants his people to be living a life of peace in the midst of our storms around us, the hurricanes, the tornadoes, murder, wars, controversy, whatever. As a matter of fact, Philippians 4, 7 says, The peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. If you're worried, if you're doubting, complaining, impatient in your troubled times, who will follow you? Who will listen to your testimony? How are you living any different than from the world? It's the peace of God that sets us apart in this world. We still undergo the same trials. We still undergo the same wars, the same famines, the same stuff happens to all of us. What does the Bible say? It rains on the just and the unjust. What separates us is the peace of God. Because when you're going through somebody and you can just see on the countenance of their face or, or through the things that they say that how can you have so much peace when you're going through blah, blah, blah? It's God. That's what sets us apart. We know God will be with us in the storm. He won't come. Sometimes he does. But we can almost count that he will be with us in the storm more times than he will come and pluck us out of the storms. Remember, Jesus was in the boat with them when they thought they were going to die because of the storm. Remember, Jesus went in the lion's den with them. God was in the lion's den. Jesus was in the furnace when they got thrown in. God will be with you in your storms. That's the peace that will keep you. That's the peace that people will follow. Goodwill towards men. The definition of having goodwill towards men includes these words. Being friendly, helpful, cooperative feelings and attitude, having compassion and, not an or, and charity towards them. It's not only having an inside heart for those around us, but also putting our heart to our hands and doing something for them. You've heard me say it over and over again. James 2.17 says, Faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. Do, do. Don't just say, do. Number three, the Spirit said, If these shadows remain unaltered by the future. God has not created a world of robots. He has given us the ability, the freedom to choose for ourselves what our future will be. We're the ones that choose it. 
Joshua chapter 24. Starting in verse 14, it says, Now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods of your ancestors' worship beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt, and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourself this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Serving the Lord is not a one-time decision. Every day, Joshua said, choose for yourselves this day. When? This day. Every day it's a choice. Every day you choose who you serve. But if you continue to live your life thinking that you aren't making a decision, oh my goodness, I remember saying this over and over again growing up. I'll decide to serve the Lord once I'm older and I've had my fun and I've done all the things I wanted to do. And I thought for some reason God just had this cosmic pause button. And if judgment day came before that, I would get a free pass because I was just putting my life on pause. I wasn't choosing to, to serve the enemy. I wasn't choosing to serve the devil. I just didn't. I wanted a pause button to not have to commit and serve faithfully to the Lord. But in Luke chapter 11, 23, it says, Anyone who isn't with me opposes me. And anyone who isn't working with me is actually working against me. So if you choose your life thinking that you aren't making a decision, you already have made a decision. Oh, but Brenda, I'm not serving, you know, Satan. I'm not, you know, running. I'm not, do I'm not really doing anything bad. God plainly said, if you're not with me, you're against me. If you're not working with me, you are actually working against me. We choose the shadows that we want to alter. We choose it. Number four, the description of ignorance and want. And here it is, like I said earlier, I chose not to show this part in our video clip, number one, for time. Um, but also because it's quite a graphic illustration of these two that Charles Dickens um, is trying to make us aware of. So allow me to read this part to you from his novel. In this scene, the spirit sits high upon the worldly pleasures, yet under his robe dwell the boy ignorance and the girl want. Oh, man, look here, look, look, down here, exclaims the spirit. They were a boy and a girl, yellow, meager, ragged, scowling, wolfish, but prostrate, too, in their humility. Where a graceful youth should have filled their features out and touched them with its freshest tints, a stale and shriveled hand like that of age had pinched and twisted them and pulled them into shreds. Where angels might have sat enthroned, devils lurked and glared out menacing. No change, no degradation, no perversion of humanity. In any grade, through all the mysteries of wonderful creation, has monsters half so horrible and dread. Scrooge started back, appalled. Spirit, are they yours? Scrooge could say no more. 
They are man's, said the Spirit, looking down upon them. And they cling to me, appealing from their fathers. This boy is ignorance. This girl is want. Beware them both and all of their degree. But most of all, beware this boy. For on his brow I see that written which is doom, unless the writing be erased. What should haunt us all as Christians is not the wretched sight of ignorance and want, but the question that Scrooge poses, Spirit, are they yours? In Scrooge's comfortable moral world, parents are responsible for their own children. The spirit of Christmas present reveals that these wretched children belong to him and to us all. They are man's. These are our children. We are all responsible for their actions and involvement in our lives. Turn with me over to Proverbs chapter 30. I'm going to read this to you out of the New Living Translation. Proverbs chapter 30. Starting at verse 1. It says, I am weary, O God. I am weary and worn out, O God. I am too stupid to be human, and I lack common sense. I have not mastered human wisdom, nor do I know the Holy One. Who but God goes up to heaven and comes back down? Who holds the wind in his fist? Who wraps up the oceans in his cloak? Who has created the whole wide world? What is his name and his son's name? Tell me, tell me. Every word of God proves true. He is a shield to all who come to him for protection. Do not add to his words, or he may rebuke you and expose you as a liar. Oh God, I beg two favors from you. Let me have them before I die. First, help me never to tell a lie. Second, give me neither poverty nor riches. Give me just enough to satisfy my needs. For if I grow rich, I may deny you and say, Who is this Lord? And if I am too poor, I may steal and thus insult God's holy name. Never slander a worker to the employer, or the person will curse you and you will pay for it. Some people curse their father and do not thank their mother. They are pure in their own eyes, but they are filthy and unwashed. They look proudly around, casting disdainful glances. They have teeth like swords and fangs like knives. They devour the poor from the earth and the needy from among humanity. The leech has two suckers. They cry out, more, more. Ignorance and want, both are leeches unending appetites that will never be satisfied. Too many people are either clueless, ignorant, or pleasure suckers, want, wanting, and wanting more. The spirit warned to beware them both in all of their degree, but most of all to beware the boy ignorance, for on his brow I see that written which is doom, unless the writing be erased. Why? Ignorance breeds pride. 
And if there was one sin greater than all the rest, it would be pride. In our ignorance, we boast that we have provided for ourselves, that we can do this on our own. We don't need the very one that gave us breath. In our devotions this last week or the week before, we were reading about King Nebuchadnezzar. And what happened to him when he went up on his roof and he looked around at the kingdom and he said, look what my hands have built. And immediately he went mad and was driven from the castle, from the kingdom, and lived out in the woods. When? Until he finally bowed his knee to God and said, I am nothing. You are everything. All I have is because you have given it to me. In 1 John 2.16, For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. Ignorance, pride, will mark your forehead for doom unless the writing be erased only by God's forgiveness, bending our knee to God. So what lessons have we learned to live in the present as God-honoring Christians? The first one, we need to come into Christ and know him better. We cannot live a God-honoring Christian life in the face of these hard times without knowing him, spending time in his presence, being there present in his presence getting to know him, holding out his love, holding on to his promises, and able to trust him without making anyone stumble, stumble on account of us. We need to live in peace and goodwill towards men. God wants his people to be living in the peace that passes all understanding. Why? To d- differentiate ourselves from those that are just in the world, that have no hope. You're supposed to have hope. God will be with you in the storm. And not to only have a heart for those around you, but put your heart into your hands and put your hands to work. Do something. Meet their needs. Goodwill towards men. Number three, what we choose today will alter our future, or it will not. The shadows remain unaltered. Serving the Lord, remember, is not a one-time decision. Choose yourself this day. Every day is a choice. Every minute there's a choice, really. Every minute. Remember, God said, if you're not with me, if you're not working with me, you're actually working against me. And you know what? More Christians do more damage that way. When they say they're a Christian, but they live like the world, they're showing everybody else, well, then what do we need Jesus for? If you're no different than I am, what was the sacrifice for? Why should I come to church? Look around. Why don't people come to church? Because if we live like them all week long, what the heck are you doing wasting your time on Sunday? If you and I are the same Monday through Saturday, I don't need to waste my time on Sunday. 
We need to alter these shadows. Stand up for God and start living a full life that he died for us to have. And that's a life that is not the life before Christ. It should be a decision that marks this was my life before Christ, and now this is my life after Christ. If you can't distinguish your after Christ life with your before Christ life, there's a Christ problem in your life. That crucifixion, that died to sin, has to mark our eternity and our life. That as long as we live for him, we say we're a Christian, we accept that sacrifice, there has to be a difference in our life. Or we do more damage to Christ than that cross even did. And the fourth lesson we learned was beware of ignorance and want. Want will keep you from being content. Always looking for more, never satisfied, never thankful. And ignorance will mark your forehead for doom unless this writing be erased by God's forgiveness of the pride that's inside of us. And it comes by a kneeling before God. Forgive me. Everything I have is because you gave it to me. That's the only way you can put pride under your feet is to stand on it. Keep it under your feet. Don't let it enter your heart for a moment. Remember, our warning was to, to beware of that one the most. Ignorance. Pride. So let me wrap up today's message by reading 1 Peter chapter 2. I'm going to read this out of the message version, verses 11 through 17. 1 Peter chapter 2, starting at verse 11, says, Friends, this world is not your home, so don't make yourselves cozy in it. Don't indulge your ego at the expense of your soul. Live an exemplary life among the people so that your actions will refute their prejudices. Then they'll be won over to God's side and be there to join in the celebration when he arrives. Make the master proud of you by being good citizens of heaven. Respect the authorities, whatever their level. They are God's emissaries for keeping order. It is God's will that by doing good you might cure the ignorance of the fools who think you're a danger to society. Exercise your freedom by serving God, not by breaking the rules. Treat everyone you meet with dignity. Love your spiritual family. Revere God and respect the government. Why don't you just stand up where you're at and let me close in prayer. God, you've given us such great lessons to, to ponder right now. God, as we wrap up this message about living in the present and 
God, the transformation that we all need to go through. God, I pray that it begins today. And God, by the lessons we learned, Father, that you can begin just having your way in our heart right now. Lord, if there's things that we've been holding on to, like the girl want, and always wanting more, and thinking we've got to have this and we've got to have that, God, we ask that you just cut that part away. And Lord, if there's a part of our heart that's been ignorant in thinking that we have been anything but just a steward of the things you've given us, cut that part away. God, we can't do anything apart from you. And everything we have, even everything we don't have, is by your hand. And God, right now we bow our heart to you. God, we don't want ignorance to have any place in our lives. We don't want pride to mark our foreheads and mark our lives for doom. God, we ask right now that you would forgive us for allowing that to have any place in our heart to begin with. God, we ask that your peace would just wash over us right now. God, that we would be able to stand strong in the midst of any storms that we go through or anything life may throw at us. God, a peace that not only transcends our understanding, other people's understanding, but it also that peace that will guard our heart and guard our mind, that we can trust you. We have faith in you. There's hope in you that you will be with us. You have good things planned for us. That we have a future with you. God, I just pray right now that all the lessons we learned today would be applied to our life. That we wouldn't just be hearers of your word. God, help us be a people of doers. Doers of your word. God, let today... Mark a day that, Lord, we'll no longer just come to church or do our devotions or read your word or, or throw out our prayer requests, but, God, we will come into your presence and know you better. Every day, getting to know you better. To put down everything of tomorrow, everything of yesterday, and be present today in your presence that we can get to know you better every day, knowing you a little bit better and a little bit better. God, draw us closer to you and closer to your heart. God, I love that song that says, I want to place my head upon your chest, listen to your heartbeat. God, I want to even feel your breath upon my face that you can wrap your arms around me. I can wrap my arms around you and just know as a father loves his daughter, loves his little son, that you just want to spend more time with us and hold us and help us and give us good gifts and be with us even in our darkest times. God, we can trust you. Teach us to trust you every day to know you better, know you better. God, I pray that for the rest of this week, Lord, until we meet again, that you continue to just call us into your presence.
and that we set down everything when we hear that calling and come and just set with you and be with you. So the next week when we get together, we will have testimonies to tell, peace and goodwill. Lord, that we have put down that spirit of pride and want. And God, we've chose to be in your presence, to be in today, present in today, in your presence, and to know you better and let you be known better by our life and our actions to others. Have your way. Be glorified in everything we do, God. Let's just spend a couple, couple minutes just in the quiet right now and let him speak to us. Let him speak to our hearts. God, we don't want to rush away. We want to just spend time in your presence. Help us to be comfortable in your quiet times. Let me just encourage you before you go that it's hard to hear the whispers of God if it's not quiet around you. And you need to find times for quietness. And sometimes it takes a long time for things to stop in your mind and your hearts and your minds to be quiet before the Lord. But that's when you'll hear the whispers of God. Remember, he don't shout. He's in the whispers. So it's time for us to get quiet to hear those whispers again. Father, we thank you for this word. God, I ask right now that you bless everyone today. God, continue to fill them up as they go and keep them safe till they come back. In Jesus' name, amen.